Write That Down, hosted by Nate Ulrich and myself, Jacob Novak. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. Today, we're joined by friend of the show, Alex Stout. After catching up with what she's up to now, we discuss the best ways to give and take criticism by going through past creative experiences and how we've learned from them. So, let's get into it. Today we have a very special guest, uh, really a friend of the show and one of our first supporters uh, since we started to write that down, Alex Stout. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulously, Jacob and Nate. <laughs> how are you guys doing today? I'm good. We just spent the past half an hour just reminiscing about stuff from college and choir and things like that. So that put me in a good mood. <laughs> um, yeah, un- unfortunately, I mean, we, we have to... You know, we're excited to talk about taking criticisms and and just, you know, what your whole adventure of of your creative life. But unfortunately, we have to start it off with something that's kind of embarrassing to even bring up in front of a guest. And that's uh, (laughs) Nate and I aren't perfect. What? No, I'm perfect. You're not. We're doing this because of you. No, you're right. We're both very unperfect. Imperfect. We're going to have to do this again next week. Imperfect. It's imperfect. imperfect. There we go. Yeah. I mean, I'll throw yeah. out that I'm the least perfect, probably, of everybody here. <laughs> That's why you're on the show. You decided no. to be on the show. I mean, that was your, that was your I'll choice. I'll have to come back for all of my future retractions. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Uh, but uh, yeah, last week there is something that I noticed while editing that Nate and I discussed. I perhaps egged on more than Nate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about nuclear families, and I said what I thought a nuclear family was. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm the one who brought nuclear families into the discussion. Sure I don't even did. remember the context. I, I said that I thought nuclear families, uh, the term came from bomb test sites uh, when they were doing tests for nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very incorrect. Sure was. Uh, I just want to clarify that. This is our first ever official write that down retraction. Expect one every uh, week. <laughs> yeah, At from least. here on out. So, uh, a nuclear family. I mean, this is where we are right. A nuclear family is just the idea of uh, a man, a woman, and their children, typically one or more. Uh, which is I was sort right. of where I was. Right? Yeah. Well, I was also right. Uh, just, just to be clear, in that sense, because that idea of the family is is where we got that. But then I, for some reason, thought that nuclear families were exploding that because. Well, no, because because my thought process, I see how it might sound insane, uh, but my thought process was that they were building the homes, the fake towns, uh, oh, to nuke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's it's those families that were living in those homes, and they're like the the uh, mannequins or whatever. So first, uh, so Jacob, first you read a book about dead people's last words, and now you're talking about blowing people up. I don't see the, I don't see anything wrong here. This is why we uh, have guests on the show. I mean, to bring it full circle, I live right next to Three Mile Island, so. Oh. <laughs> Solid documentary, by the way. We watched that in seventh grade, I think. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, save that so, for definitely I, not I, I, pro- procrastinating. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll save that for <laughs> yeah, next seriously. week. I think. But so I do take issue with this a little bit because I have the Wikipedia article for nuclear families pulled up. Okay. Uh, and so it says the term nuclear is not used here in the context of nuclear warfare. Uh, it arises from a more general use of the noun nucleus itself originating from the Latin nukes, meaning nut, 
uh, <laughs> i.e. the core of something. Thus, the nuclear family refers to all of the members of the family being part of the same core rather than directly to atomic weapons. And I do want to fight back a little bit because no, that's just no stupid. No fighting back. You're nuts. Right? It's right in the uh, words. It's, it's a retraction, but it's a soft retraction nonetheless. All right. All right. Let's and get then, away from the retraction, Jacob. Well, I have one more quick okay, thing. Okay. You, you have set, it. You... I used the word auspicious one time, and I <laughs> meant for uh, it was supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it might mean something like suspicious or something uh, close to it. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, it, it means giving or being a sign of future success. So basically, the exact opposite. Anyway, that's our last retraction. Uh, we just want to clear that up for anybody listening, because the last thing we need is any emails coming our way. We get excited when we see emails. Right. So for it to be negative and be something that's <laughs> correcting us, I mean, it's constructive criticism, which I guess brings it full circle. But right. also that will you know crack my ego even more so we don't need that so thank you for bringing anyways. that up look forward to next week's retractions yeah anyways alex <laughs> welcome to the show hello yeah. thank you for having me <laughs> i'm super thrilled to be here also just because we spent that half hour prior to recording just strolling down memory lane and i'm gonna continue now for the next like Four hours looking yeah. at old photos from college. <laughs> that should just be what the po- the next podcast is. It should be. It should be. <laughs> yeah. Just talking about things uh, that no one else besides our immediate community yeah. and nobody can see would understand. Yeah, nobody can see any pictures or videos or anything. Yeah, yeah. we're just talking about it. Yeah, uh, but so uh, so we want to get first your your perspective of you know, your creative history and where you're coming from and everything. So I guess just to lead off that that conversation, uh, we asked the same thing to our, our first guest, Fisher. Uh, what would you call yourself? <laughs> That's a really great question. And it's sort of funny that you asked that because my current job title is creative lead, which basically means I do a little bit of literally everything. <laughs> <laughs> a little producing, directing, writing, editing, casting scouting um web development like you name it i i will probably (laughs) have to do it at some point if i haven't already had to do it at some point um which i've been finding is a very unique role that i'm currently in as in many production companies and agencies and um you name it you know types of businesses out there the role that you fill is very specific to what your duties are and there's not a lot of overlap like particularly in, in film and tv like if you're an ad you that's all you do if you're you know a, right. a grip that is all you do um and i do a little bit of everything so i guess that makes me a little bit kind of versatile jack of all trades so creative lead is probably the best way to put that <laughs> so i have a question for you just to sum up that on your website uh, or in your linkedin profile or wherever you are Underneath creative lead, could you put in quotes, I just do everything, <laughs> you know, maybe? I Yeah, I, I guess I, I probably could put that um, because that's that's the only other way to define that. <laughs> just furiously going to your website and putting that in right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the back end, like re, re-editing it in my Wix, uh, my Wix template. Yeah. Shout out to Wix. Seriously, sponsor uh, us. No, sponsor us. But uh, so, so you, you you gave us a little bit of insight of what you're called. Can you can you let us know exactly what you do? I know you said you do everything, but 
What are you doing? Yeah. Um, so right now. <laughs> what are you now, doing? Just tell me. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just sitting you? at home talking <laughs> to you guys all the time. That, that's that's all I'm doing. I mean, I am working from home. I, I never leave this chair that I'm in currently. I am creative lead at um, a very well-known Fortune 500 company's internal creative agency for uh, local advertisers. So um, my day-to-day is vastly different from every day. Um, so I will partner with our, our clients, our businesses that are looking to advertise in the TV space. And um, I take the opportunity to learn everything I can about their businesses, um, what their challenges are, who their audience is, uh, what sorts of branding and creative storytelling has worked for them um, up until this point, what hasn't worked. And then from there, I kind of go to the drawing board with my team and come up with some really unique um, stories and creative concepts on how we could go to market with telling that brand story um, in, a, in a way that we feel is going to be effective and get people to you know buy their product or go into their showroom, whatever that particular action is that we want their, that audience to take. Um, and then from there, uh, we we kind of put together strategies that go beyond the, the TV and video space because there's immense power in your creative message being consistent across all the platforms that you do um, and wherever you're putting your marketing out there. I mean, there's nothing worse than having a, a billboard that says one thing and a TV commercial that says another and someone's like, is this the same business? I'm not quite sure. But those those businesses are, are certainly out there. We know they are. Um, so while we are a part of um, internal you know, TV advertising sales, so for businesses who are buying airtime to advertise, um, we will put together those creative strategies to support all of their marketing efforts into social media and digital and print and, um, you know, website advertising and uh, radio, like you name it. Um, so one morning I might be working on a script and then in the around lunchtime I'm doing a crew call for a future shoot coming up and in the afternoon I'm pitching concepts and selling my creative ideas to a client. Um, and the next day I'm, I'm on set and then the next day I'm in the edit suite and then I'm back at it all again and doing something else that I have to figure out how to do to support all of this. So, um, that's probably it in a nutshell. And as I sort of mentioned in all of my many hat wearings in this current role, I'm also even sometimes a salesman too, because I have to convince our clients to buy into what the creative idea is that I'm trying to pitch them to actually move forward with. So um, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's very stressful at times, um, wow. but I love it. So, and, and don't forget all of that. And you're a cat mom. You're in the Slytherin house. You burrito <laughs> and milkshake connoisseur, a theme park fanatic, Halloween and spooky at heart, avid show binger, advocate for equality, inclusion, and human rights, caffeine addict, Boston Red Sox fan, nature lover, singer, musician, and video gamer. How do you fit all of that and all the stuff you do at work <laughs> in your life? That's Lots wild. Of monster. Yeah, and I did, I did, <laughs> lots of monster. Yeah. Sponsor us. Come on now. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone, please. Please, just please. For those please. who are not sure where that came from, Nate was just reading my bio description on my website, which right. you can read yeah. on your own leisure at www.alexstout.com. That's spelled S-T-O-U-D-T. There's a silent D in there. <laughs> I've been pronouncing wow. it this whole time. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so as you explain all that it's interesting because that that just sounds like uh, a much more grand scope version of what you did when i first met you at juniata college uh at the video production team which we've talked about a, f- a few times as nate and i both worked there but my first i mean we met because of choir first mm-hmm. um but I remember uh, when we really got to know each other was when you hired me for the video production team. I remember my interview being At in a Wendy's. Wendy's on a choir tour. Oh. Yeah, that was that was a that was a fun time. Iconic. Yeah. Interview. Never forget. <laughs> uh, and so uh, having to have the the whole jack of all trades mentality uh, in your work now. Do you think you got some of your ability to stretch yourself in so many different ways in how you kind of came up with with the the VPT as the manager in that role? Oh, certainly. And I feel that that was instrumental in giving me the skills that I have now and my ability to do my job. So you guys were kind of brought into the VPT while it was already created. And when I was a sophomore at Juniata, um, actually when I was a freshman, the Technology Solutions Center had seen an opportunity to create this team and it had never existed before this time. So they they kind of knew what they sort of wanted to do with it and they needed someone who was going to, uh, you know, be uh, instrumental in kind of creating that team as to what it would become and be there for a few years that could kind of lead it and basically build it from the ground up. And I yeah. was lucky enough to be hired into that role so i was the the manager of a brand new team and we didn't even know like how to press record on a camera at that point <laughs> and then had to figure out how to teach other people how to press record on the camera how to right. edit how to you know support all of these video needs across campus and at that point too i never even had any courses in digital media because um, I was still pursuing my politics degree, which I still have, but um, haven't incorporated media into at that point. So all of this stuff was me kind of going down the YouTube rabbit hole to figure out what the heck is even going on here. What I what can I do to make this team be effective and what its purpose was, but also knowing that the students, you know, this isn't a, a, a business that's just fulfilling business needs. We're at a campus that has students who are incorporating extracurricular activities into what their full scope Juniata experience is and what that think about who you are mantra kind of goes into play. So yeah. I knew that I needed to create an, an environment that was um, both, you know, fun to be a part of, but also... Um, an, an educational opportunity outside of the classroom um, for some hands-on experience that like I myself did not get in the courses at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out how to teach people how to do all the stuff that I didn't even know how to do. <laughs> That's wild. 
you stepped in a position, became a leader, a manager. You had to have knowledge of the technology or at least pretend that you did so that you could lead folks who also maybe didn't have that same knowledge and incorporate the storytelling aspect and the creative aspect, which we know is very difficult unless you kind of already have an understanding of how to do it. So that's that's actually really incredible. Fake it till you make it is literally <laughs> how I go about life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? And, and as, as, as funny as that sounds, it's, it's so true. I it mean, really as is. we're all professionals right now. We've, we've all graduated. And how many folks around you that you're working with are also just unsure what's actually going on and just doing what needs to be done? That's what work yeah. is, right? Yeah, it's so easy to be intimidated by everybody going around you and just exactly. thinking, oh, they probably know what they're doing with their life. But we're all just idiots. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's why we have the retraction. That's why we, that's, that's just true. Name me, give me one person who wasn't an idiot. <laughs> I I have um, a wooden sign in my living room that literally says, I can't adult today. So <laughs> there you go. just um, going about it until I figure it out. And I try and uh, speak eloquently when I can to make Certainly. it sound like I sort of know what's going on when probably more than half the time I'm like, I'm totally pulling this out of my butt. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. totally the uh, Michael Scott quote of um, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going and I just hope I find it on the way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's true. But the the real maturity comes out after and it's later that night when you've pretended or BS your way through the day. It's later that night you go back and you say, well, now I actually have to figure out what I was talking about. I have to actually learn about this stuff. And that's sort of the maturity <laughs> level thing, right? I'm going to pretend I know what I'm talking about. They now think I know what I'm talking about. So now I need to go know what I'm talking about. It's a way of learning. Yeah. Oh, certainly. And in my in my time and in my role up until this point, I've certainly learned that in some situations, it's totally okay to, you know, you're asked a question and it's totally fine to respond with, you know, I'm I'm I don't really have an answer for you right now. Let me think on that and get back to you. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I was first sort of starting and I would get questions that I didn't know the answer to or not really sure how my process is or, you know, what I'm going to be able to come back with. And I'm just like, hum, 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 trying to, <laughs> trying right. to work my way through what I'm going to come up with and, and answer the question by not answering the question and just sort of <laughs> dance around it a little bit. Um, so I've certainly grown there for sure, but right. truly right. this industry is all about fake it till you make it completely <laughs> yeah so so to continue off of this and this is to sort of jump into our conversation about criticism and feedback and stuff while you were learning to be a leader while you were learning to do all this stuff with at the vpt and you can extrapolate later for the stuff you're doing now who was giving you feedback whether that was a mentor or clients or who was giving you feedback and how did you process that knowing very well that you weren't a, a veteran leader well, while I was sort of trying to figure a lot of this stuff out, I could certainly say that, I, you know, whatever instance might have come up, like, you know, okay, th this situation happened, we probably want to relook at how our process is here, or try and figure out a, a better way of solving this problem, you know, whatever that is. Um, and it certainly made me feel very embarrassed, and almost like I failed at that task, and I'm... I'm a total, complete failure in my life, and now I'm going to sit 
on the floor and be sad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is not the constructive way to take criticism whatsoever. So we've all been there. We've certainly all been there. (laughs) Something about sitting on the floor is just, I don't even know. You just have to do it. You're uncomfortable and you're just so down in the dumps and you just have to experience that. If you've ever seen Inside Out, I can totally just the the feeling of when the the character of sadness just feels so sad that she literally just has to lay on the ground and can't get up. Oh yeah. <laughs> just plops. <laughs> and has to be dragged along to actually do anything. That's sort of what that feeling is like. <laughs> so, how did you grow from that? Well, I kind of had a for lack of a better uh, phrasing here, come to Jesus moment when I learned that there's a lot of maturity in learning from this construct, like this criticism doesn't mean Uh that you failed. This criticism doesn't mean that you are not good at what you're doing. This criticism Mm -hmm. does not mean we hate what you produce. It, it is a way to help your talent continue on and to learn how to be even better or how Mm -hmm. to take this piece of work and make it that much better from where it already is um but there's certainly a and what i've kind of as i've been through my career understanding when to accept that criticism and when to sort of just be like yeah I'm, I'm that this isn't really valuable criticism to what I'm doing or mm-hmm. um, this I, I firmly believe in what I've produced here. I don't I don't think that your criticism is is helping what I'm doing, but I, I appreciate the input. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely a sure. lot of different levels of of how you accept that criticism. And I think a lot of it also comes from who's giving you that criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, in my role, I, I kind of joke that I never know who I work for because (laughs) I work for my creative agency and, you know, my team and my boss of, of that, uh, you know, linear hierarchy there. And then I, I work for, um, the client that I'm doing the creative for and the business that, they're the ones putting their their brand out there. This isn't, you know, mm-hmm. alexstout.com advertising all over the place. It's XYZ business. And then I'm also working for our sales team that's just trying to get a quick piece of creative done so they can get their client up on the air and running. And they don't mm-hmm. necessarily care that the creative is really that great. Mm-hmm. They just want it done. Yeah, sure. So in, in a lot of those situations, I kind of have to sit back and when this criticism comes in, you know, is it is it my boss who's had, you know, 15 plus years experience in the industry and has won several Emmys and like I totally value their input and experience mm-hmm. and I know that what they're contributing is going to certainly at least attempt to make this much better than what the piece already is. Or is it our sales team saying, yeah, but you, the end screen doesn't have their phone number on it. And I don't like what you did with the text there and blah, 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 blah. And their script writing is come on down to Bob's buddy's carpet barn and see our great selection. <laughs> and they are not creative people whatsoever. So uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, in my world, you know, I'm accepting criticism every day. And, uh-huh. you know, in some cases, I know that this is going to help my work be better. In some cases, I'm like, 
Yeah. Uh, thank you for your input. <laughs> so we've all been there. We've all been there, Jacob, right? And we can probably add on to yep. this. We've been in positions where our creative process has brought us to a final product, which we believe is the best that it can be, right? And then somebody looks at it, somebody sees it, and they they give you feedback, and it's actually something that you truly believe will detract from the quality of the product. Mm-hmm. But it's a manager, it's somebody, it's somebody, it's a client, it's somebody, somebody else who has more authority in that position. How do you navigate that? Because for me, I am very frustrated off the start and I try to, and this could be a very amateur approach, but I try to show and tell and, and, and say, well, I did it this way because of this. And of course that doesn't usually work. Uh, so what's your experience in that? Yeah, there's a there's a go-to feeling of being defensive for your work. And, Absolutely, and right off the bat. Yeah. This is why I chose to do this, and whoa, whoa, whoa! You think that it's yeah. bad? No, 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 no. Well, this yep. is this is all of the reasoning <laughs> and the work that went into why I chose this, you know, particular shot over this right. one, or you know, whatever that might be. Um, this is why I wrote the script this way, um, and I I certainly feel that way too. Like I need to come up with all the reasonings to defend mm-hmm. my work rather than. Mm-hmm you know, openly kind of accept that criticism. And in my role, I've also sort of had a lot of that where I have to internally sit back and say, okay, is this an opportunity where I feel that I can truly say, look, you know, this is what we recommend doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you hired me to be your creative expert on this. And this is why I really recommend that we stay with this particular instance or, you know, whatever that that criticism might have been. Or I take the other approach where, you know, OK, I, I see the value in this. Um, I, I think that this could contribute in an effective way or I'll do a director's cut later. And that's the one I'm going to put in my reel. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. That's what I've done so many times. I've, I've made two. I've made the one that I think is correct, which I market myself with. And the one the client wants, the client's happy and I'm happy. There are a lot of clients out there that they just want to put every, you know, all of their services and, <laughs> and all of the nonsense of trying to fit something into 30 seconds that, shouldn't belong there in the first place powerpoint yeah. slideshow and, and muddy it up and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah say yeah. all of these things that has to be very rushed and no one can read all of that text on mm-hmm. screen at the same like in you know three seconds so um i i've definitely had several versions where um it and also it kind of particular it depends on what my relationship is with that client and if uh-huh. I've, I've really been able to establish positioning myself as the expert in what I'm doing or is this sort of like a you know I'm, I, I'm not sure that I, I need to fight this here and they're just going to be irritated or mad at me for for saying that their criticism is not effective or mm-hmm. you know for lack of a better term totally dumb right. <laughs> <laughs> um Which in many cases it isn't. In some cases it is totally dumb, but Mm -hmm. um, you sort of have to find the balance of, you know, okay, this is what's going to make them really happy with their their piece of creative and their work that they're putting out for their brand. But I know in my heart that this first version or, you know, whichever iteration of your project is, is really where it hits home. 
that I keep that version saved as my my real piece or my director's cut. I mean, plenty of the uh, work that I'm actually showcasing on my website are the director's cuts of things mm-hmm. because I'm just like, <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't really care for this edition, but I know that it's going to make them happy and um, we can move about with our business and they're happy. I'm semi-happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not as to- <laughs> totally happy, but they always say the client is always right. Yeah, so. yeah and, and that's something that I'm sure comes up in all aspects of it because when you're in a position like yours you're dealing with so many people whether it's the you know the clients themselves or the salespeople or your bosses at at your company and things like that and there's all these varying levels of experience in your ear just trying to tell you give you different kinds of critiques from different levels of experience uh, and so you talk about, you know, the director's cut versus, versus what you put out. Uh, are there any levels in which you compromise? Uh, and what does that look like? Yeah, certainly. Um, I, I guess it all sort of depends on what the particular project was. You know, if it was something that we filmed and we submitted a script and storyboard and the client approved it and we shot it one way and now they want to change it after the fact we're not going to be able to compromise there unless we completely set up a whole new shoot because we shot it one way and now right. they're not happy with it versus, you know, is it some, some scripting and, and the, and the writing that's coming across, how can we tweak this? Or is it, you know, the particular call to action isn't hitting as hard and, and what they, they want their viewer to, to internalize when they see that brand, they want them to go to the website. They want them to, browser inventory you know whatever that might be um and a lot of compromises kind of look like making both parties happy by getting in what i feel was the strategic recommendation and what i think is going to be most effective for that piece of creative but Mm -hmm. also finding a way to incorporate whatever it was that they wanted whether it be we need the phone number in the ad. Okay, well, no one's sitting in front of their TV and typing in a phone number. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll compromise here somewhere. <laughs> you brought up something that I want to touch on quick before we go into the next stuff, but uh, you, you brought up your cut, the director's cut, and and, and the, the cut the client gets. And usually the cut the client gets is what's going to be aired, what's going to be shown publicly. How do you feel and at what point in your creative life did you – did you not want the work that you did shown because it was so altered, right? So for me, if I created something and I like the way it's created and they want to change it so much that it's now not a quality product in my mind, mm-hmm. yet that's going to be the publicly aired thing. That's sort of a gut feeling that's like, ah, oh, I don't want yeah. my name attached to that even though I did the work. Yeah. Um, and I have certainly been in those situations for sure. Uh, I, I could even, you know, show you a side-by-side kind of comparison right, in, right. In, in how something turned out. And um, I, I learned a really um, good lesson from my manager in this, in that when you're kind of in this situation where you, you're creative at heart, you are putting your whole heart and soul into the work that you're doing, but you know that it's ultimately it belongs to the client and they're the ones that own it need to you know it's it's their brand it's their message even though you kind of put it all out there and when something gets altered that much or and then you're like this isn't the work that I did it's almost like a moment of 
just stepping back from the project and just kind of detaching yourself, which is extremely hard when you're in a creative role because everything that you do is putting your heart and soul into this. Um, a very, and where this kind of lesson learning moment came from, I, I had a, um, a client that's, it's actually now one of my, my best, you know, relationships and a creative partnership, but ultimately it started with, I came up with this, this really fantastic concept that, um, was all about, um, authenticity and female empowerment and all of these great things that I, I, at my soul, I'm all apart. So I put everything into this, which, which is very different from, you know, your, your car commercials or your, you know, your foreign companies that it's, it's a little yeah. bit, there's not as much of that, that moral message or, you know, what that, that particular thing is that you're really standing behind. And the, the client was so thrilled about this idea and we, we filmed it, you know, we had actors on set, we were in a studio, um, we had all of these pieces where they were like telling their real stories of, you know, this particular, their, you know, experience and how it attributes to this product and service. And the client was even there on set, loved it, was saying things like, wow, what, what she just said was so impactful. Like, I can't wait to incorporate that into our future projects, you know, whatever that might be. And we put together the, the first cuts and they totally hated it. It was garbage. They, they almost didn't even want to advertise anymore. They were so um, upset with how it turned out. I wasn't, (laughs) but for whatever reason, they had a different idea in their mind, even though they were on set and saw exactly how we filmed it and didn't say anything for eight hours while we were filming. Um, So that's a whole other like, you know, whole other problem with dealing with clients. But um, ultimately it turned into just using stock footage to represent these moments and not these authentic women that we strategically casted for a particular reason um, to tell their real stories and we just had you know voiceover and nice um, nice fluffy music playing in the background while we see these cool stock clips that I didn't film and I don't even know the actors names in those situations or those those women that were a part of that shoot um and that was the piece that they were really happy with and wanted to advertise. And it had altered so much that at a point when the critique was kind of going back and forth, I, I nearly said to my boss, like, I don't even know what to do. I, I don't know how to make this client happy. And I do not like where this is going. I do not agree with the suggestions that they're saying. And I do not feel that this is authentic to the concept we originally pitched but also I don't think that this is where we want to we wanted to take their brand and it was sort of just this this harsh hitting criticism and evolution back and forth over email and then the salesperson getting all involved and upset that we were upsetting the client and blah 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 that it was one of those moments where I just had to I had to rip my heart out of the project and I had to look at it from a totally different lens as I'm just a producer fulfilling the need for the client and I'm not Alex Stout on this project anymore.
As always, if you have any questions, topics, or feedback for us, you can email us at askwtd at gmail.com. But now, we also have something else to involve you in the show even more. Pretty soon, Nate and I will be starting a new segment where we'll be taking prompts from listeners. These could be writing prompts, genres to explore, stories from your life, or whatever else comes to mind. Then, we'll try to come up with how we'd bring your submission to life. So once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com for any prompts that you have for us. Anyways, let's get back to it. All right, we're joined back with our nine-time award-winning guest, Alex. Uh, She really didn't want me to say the number of awards. I was going to say multi-award, but nine is impressive. (laughs) So it will be said, nine-time award-winning guest alex so we're yeah, talking we're about here criticism. to lift you up we are certainly that's what we do here that's what we do write that down and lift people up anyways <laughs> we are uh talking about criticism of course how to how to approach criticism and how to take criticism and we're looking at it from a constructive and a negative uh perspective so jacob or alex either one of you who wants to speak next can you talk about your uh experiences with both receiving constructive criticism and negative criticism and how to decipher if it's good or bad. I know we talked about this earlier, but just to get a little deeper. I know certainly for me and how I, t- I touched on this a little bit earlier, but who that criticism is coming from is is really valuable to if I'm taking it as constructive or it's, you know, not something that I, I feel is going to benefit the project or, you know, whatever other way that I may feel about it. Um, because I, I entirely value my colleagues in my agency in the creative field when they are looking at a piece of work and giving me constructive criticism because I know that they are all looking at it from a, a way of they know how much heart and soul went into this and they, they're looking at it from that you've been so attached to this project I have a different lens and I know what that feeling is like and here's a way that I think like I totally understand why you decided to do this for whatever reason here's something that I think might make it better, but let's talk about it. Um, I, I, a colleague of mine who actually um, lives in Chicago, me and him will often share first drafts of work back and forth because we want to hear what the other person says. We, we want and value that criticism and how to make that piece of work a lot better and maybe be future award-winning <laughs> award-winning work. Um, thanks for that intro back in, Nate. Um, but then I guess there's also a way to approach giving that criticism so it doesn't come off as, oh, the, you know, this work sucks and mm-hmm. I don't like this. Never, yeah. never say uh, or give criticism in a way that is you know, egotistical or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't like what you did here. Let's do it this way. Or I think, you know, whatever that might be, because we all take that to heart. And when you feel like you're being attacked or you feel like you're, you need to be defensive for the work that you've done and, and it makes you feel like really crappy and mm-hmm. inside, like, wow, okay. You just totally took a big dump on my, my piece of creative here. And Mm -hmm. wow, that was harsh. And I'm, I'm going to be really upset about this and feel imposter syndrome for the next 10 months over this one instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, if you're, 
giving someone criticism and it starts with the words I don't like, mm. maybe take a step back. Because <laughs> if you put yourself in those shoes of someone who's hearing I don't like, that doesn't help us. Right. <laughs> you know? It doesn't. Like, just what saying, don't you I don't like, like about this. it? <laughs> yeah, like it's all about trying to understand perspective. And I'm thinking back to towards the first half uh, when, Alex, you were talking about uh, you know, being defensive uh, and trying to come up with, with reasons for why you did the thing. And I, I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but I, I can get a little bit deeper into it here. Uh, I think it's just important to have those reasons why you did what you did before you approach the critique stage, because then you're not trying to, you know, be reactionary about any criticisms you, you might be getting. You're just trying to understand why you did uh, each decision. Like, this is why we had this cut here, or this mm -hmm. is why we omitted this line mm -hmm. uh, voice over here. I think it's just important to to have that broader perspective of, of why you did what you did so that when you approach the criticism phase of, uh, a, you know, after a first draft or something like that, uh, then you can have a more open conversation with the person, with the client or whoever you're talking to. I, I think it's important to have that dialogue instead of just being caught off guard and trying to think mm -hmm. on the fly of like, oh, well, it's because of this. Right, obviously right. And, and having that more right. defensive and mindset i used to be extremely reactionary to critique that mm -hmm. i was receiving and just be yeah, me too so yep. upset and like i said earlier feel like i failed or get really really mad at the person for just calling my work out uh, um and feel like i i can't do any better than this because i thought that this was the best that right. i could do right. right and a lot of times and this is what i was going to point out earlier is a lot of times that could very well be a, a good manager just being direct. And a lot of times there's a big difference between being direct and just being a butthead, right? <laughs> right? Like there's yes. a big difference and one is very constructive and allows you to make the edits needed. And one is just, it's, it's just being a bad leader, right? Mm -hmm. And so being direct, but in a polite way, in a way that can convey the correct message as a creative, very well knowing that you put your time, energy, and heart into it because it's not just a math problem. It is part of your life that's influencing your work. And that's why we're so attached. Uh, when we get the direct feedback saying, well, let's, let's think about changing this to this to this, and then actually looking at it from that perspective, yeah, this could work. Otherwise, you could get somebody who's super nice and says, well, that's like, okay, but Let's. I don't know what to do, but change it. Like that's also <laughs> not pr productive, right? <laughs> yeah. And to Jacob's point about sort of understanding why you made certain decisions and and really looking at it strategically as, I mean, in my world, I have thirty seconds to work in. In most cases, I mm -hmm. used to have a post-it note on my desk that said, "Every shot has a purpose." And when you're in 30 mm -hmm. seconds, you cannot have any fluff whatsoever. And every shot mm -hmm. has to right. be chosen strategically to communicate whatever that message might be in visuals, even if, you know, we're not hearing it. We have no time to fluff into the story. We got to get mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. So um, and when you're kind of looking at those pieces of creative and whatever that moment is and understanding why you chose this. In some of the best critique or criticism conversations I've had with colleagues or my manager or whatever that might be, um, 
I can com- effectively communicate why this was chosen, but then from someone who hasn't been totally attached to the project and has been looking at it for the past 72 hours straight and hasn't slept while working on this, right. um, sees it from a totally unique perspective and a new lens that mm-hmm. hasn't even touched or heard about this project can look at that and see, okay, I understand why you made this selection. I don't think that your um, your message is coming across as effectively as you want it to. Here's a way that I think that we can make that message come across even more effectively. Mm-hmm. And criticism like that is fantastic mm-hmm. because yeah. I, I hear that and I know they understand what I was trying to accomplish by doing whatever that was and... I know that that is valuable and see from someone who wasn't attached to it sees that that isn't coming across and really wants to make it better. So we, so we get it. So anyone mm-hmm. looking at this understands where that was coming from and, and gets the That's message. really important. Nice. Yeah. 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 To all the leaders out there, I think every, every creative ends up working on a team and some point has to work with someone unless you're an, what is it? What is it called? Autorism? Autor? An auteur. We're not going back to that. Uh, <laughs> I remember listening to that episode. Like, Did you know I had no idea what that word was? He just sprung it on me, and I had to pretend I BS it like nothing I else. I thought it was in a class we took together. <sighs> it probably was. I was sleeping, Jacob. Anyways, before our junior professors get mad at us. I had us, Baileys in my coffee every morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, uh, before, before we, we get too lost, uh, I do want to ask a question about how do you give... Uh, criticism effectively of course you're a manager and of course you're working with people and so it's important now we talked about how do we receive it but how do you give it criticism of course um as i've learned through my own lived experiences of what criticism sucks and what criticism is really valuable i really do my best to to look at it from a, a very broad perspective of understanding why different decisions were made and and what what ways can I say this that I know isn't going to hurt their feelings because I really Mm -hmm. hate hurting people's feelings Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I know that I had unfortunately had to have been in situations in the VPT where I knew that this critique was probably not going to be accepted as as it could have been and I probably could have given it much better back then too um, but really approaching it like, how do I want to say this? Let me backtrack a little bit. I had a client one time that we were working on a brand new campaign for them and they decided that they wanted to give their critique in stages. So they had their first impression critique. Then they had their, I've watched it a few times and here's what I'm really thinking now critique. Then they slept on it and showed it to other people and gotten collective feedback from who knows where these people came from. And then a huge list of all of that collective feedback came in, which the first impression feedback was very different from the later in the mix and Joe Schmo down the street, your neighbor's dog watched it and thought that this (laughs) should be this way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And critique like that is never effective because it's coming from all over the place. So mm-hmm. when I am looking at something and 
I know that there's different things that we can fix about it to make it stronger. Or I know that, um, whatever it is just isn't coming across. And I'm, I've watched it a few times and I'm not getting what the message is yet. Like it hasn't stood out to me. So I really try and, and sit back and put myself in the shoes of a lot of different people and watch things a lot of different times and give that criticism in a very broad perspective of here's where I think, you know, this very analytical person is going to, you know, get from seeing this, or this is the type of work that, you know, maybe there are just a few different edit tweaks that Mm -hmm. can be made to just, just tighten it up. Or, you know, I feel, I felt the moment that it was going to hit here and it, it hit a little later and my heart was just like, while I I was waiting for it or, or, you know, whatever that, that particular thing might be. So I never ever give criticism by just watching it once. And I'm like, you know, here, Mm -hmm. and I never give it in a way that I feel like I could possibly be hurting someone's feelings or attacking them in any way, because I know that when I felt that way from receiving criticism, it sucks. And can I I push you further in this? And ask when you are critiquing a video that has a specific target audience and you are not that target audience, how do you give that feedback? That's a really great question. I feel like some of it is is comparing work that I've done or seen that has been effective to that particular target target audience. Excuse me, um, because you know we know that there are businesses that are trying to reach the really rich people who have lots of expendable money and their kids have all grown up and moved out and they want to put $20,000 down on this like fabulous new kitchen. But then there's uh, an audience that, you know, their, their kids are young and they're, it's a product that's going to really help efficiency at home or, you know, it's very, very different mm-hmm. types of audiences that would benefit from whatever particular service. And I know myself being a 25-year-old white girl who doesn't even own her own house yet generally Uh doesn't fit a lot of what those Uh audiences are. I don't have kids. I have a lot of student loan debt. I don't have expendable income. (laughs) I'm not married. I don't own a house. I'm never in this target audience that they're looking Uh for unless it's a business that wants you to refinance your student loans. (laughs) (laughs) We're all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So in some cases, I actually... We'll, we'll take something, um, particularly if it's something that I'm working on, and I know that you know my parents are the perfect target audience, or my grandparents are, right. or um, so-and-so friend that knows someone, or a professor from Juniata that is that target audience. And I actually ask them to take a look at this with a totally open mind perspective. Like, they don't know any of the backstory of this Mm -hmm. project and what was the emotion that they felt from watching it and what what did they feel as a result of this do they feel that they're inspired to buy this product or you know is this a business that you would want to work with and i take that genuine feedback from that particular particular audience because i know that i will never be able to at this point in my life maybe in the future understand what it's like being a really rich person that has expendable <laughs> income to to buy this product or you know yeah. renovate my entire you know basement of whatever course. whatever it might be um and when i get that like honest um emotion or thoughts from those individuals that can definitely help inform my 
my opinion and my criticism of that particular work to to really speak to that audience. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Answer. Well, uh, I think it's about that time to go into some definitely not procrastinating. So, Alex, uh, you said you have something. Why don't you kick us off? Um, well, I'm always procrastinating. As just a side <laughs> note, I have so many personal projects and I literally have never gotten to them, which is just... As I've been listening to more and more of your episodes, I just like, <sighs> I, w- <laughs> there, I wish there were more hours in the day. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And even uh, as many monsters as there are in the world can't accomplish everything that I want to do. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the drink, the drinks, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not um, creepy ones under your bed. The, the, yeah, the at first my mind went to Monsters, Inc. Ba- Monsters, Inc., <laughs> Well, speaking of, there's a new series that's coming out on Disney Plus featuring Monsters, Inc. I'm very excited oh, for that. I did see about that, yeah. It's not out yet, so I can't contribute that to definitely not <laughs> procrastinating. But, um, so I am a huge, huge fan for of true crime, murder stories, all that jazz. Um Nothing gets me more than a like murder mystery thriller that's got plot twists at every turn and the episodes leave you gasping and hanging and oh my god I, I need more and Mayor of Easttown on HBO Max starring mm. Kate Winslet that was actually filmed in Pennsylvania really um, takes place in Pennsylvania outside of in Philadelphia and some like suburban areas mm-hmm. around Chester County um, has been so thrilling and it is done phenomenally and there's only one more episode out that comes out next sunday so then that'll be the full series uh evan peters is also in it um oh, shout out he he's fabulous um i'm trying to think if there are other like big actors that most people would know and that's uh mayor m-a-r-e right m-a-r-e yep of yep. east town um <laughs> Being someone who grew up closer to Philadelphia, the, you know, hoagie town and Wawa coffee Mm -hmm. and all that Mm -hmm. jazz, Mm -hmm. um, Kate Winslet has done a phenomenal job at the, um, like, Delco accent that comes from Mm -hmm. Philly. And I've heard that she has also become a huge, um, like, Philly culture enthused person and is obsessed with Wawa coffee now as a part of being just filming there. And, um, I believe I, I remember some, uh, fellow colleagues in the film industry that, that had the opportunity to be on some of those sets. Um, so I, I kind of knew that and, and then heard, saw that it was coming out and some of the things that they mentioned in places or locations and like, Hey, I I know that place. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've been there or, you know, whatever. So there's, there's a cool local touch to it that I think is done very well and makes me feel like I'm, it's more relatable just because of that, Mm -hmm. uh, geographical aspect but yeah. the the murder mystery and trying to figure out you know all of these different like hometown murders and stuff that are popping up um it's 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 very great the last episode literally had me on my seat like gasping and then the credits roll 
and I was just so mad <laughs> that I had to wait a whole nother week for, for another episode. So if you're into true crime thrillers, I would highly recommend nice. Mayor of Easttown. Cool. That's exciting. That's uh, exciting. Did you, uh, this is a tangent. This isn't my, definitely not procrastinating, but it reminds me of, uh, did you guys see the SNL sketch? That was actually during the Elon Musk episode, but it's a good sketch. Uh, uh, called Murder Dirter. That's based on Mayor of East Town. Murder Dirter. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's based off of that. It, it's it's just making it's a satire of the idea of how there are so many, you know, crime shows out there, and then they just base it on the Pennsylvania, Delaware, you know, cultural phenomenon. It, it, it's because it's they have good. those accents in that show, which is just that much funnier in the snl sketch because kate winslet is 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 working very hard to do that accent (laughs) being a a british actress herself trying to sound like she's from delco it's a a very uh tough challenge for for any actress uh, or any actor but um yeah if you have a chance to check out that snl sketch uh murder dirter (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious. How about you, Nate? Yeah. Uh, so I've been watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on <gasps> oh, Amazon. It's I a wonderful love show. that show. Uh, isn't it so fun? It's so good. So um, yeah, in true fashion, I will not tell you who the directors are or who's playing in it um, because that's always. That's what Jacob does, and that's, I guess, what Alex does. So you can find out yourself. You can find out yourself. It's on Amazon. It's just like a 50s to 60s, maybe late 50s, early 60s time period Mm -hmm. of a woman uh, probably in her mid-20s, young family, trying to be a comic in an era that women really weren't comedians or they weren't allowed to be comedians or weren't respected as comedians it's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun show probably not family friendly uh but (laughs) but maybe maybe a little older audience it's a it's a fun one though i I certainly liked it i certainly liked it so i I haven't finished the third season yet but but i'm working through so i still need to watch that it's on it's on my list yeah basically for some reason amazon is is just harder for me to get into any shows on there for some reason i think it's just the the interface is just less inviting than Hulu or uh, HBO or something like that. But I, I need to get there. You spoiled little brat. All right, Jacob. <laughs> so, um, uh, what did you do this week on your definitely not procrastinating? Uh, well, so this is another show, uh, oh, three boy. shows, which is, I'm sure fun for anybody trying to do all of the suggestions. Yeah. Uh, if you are good on you, but so, so this is, uh, a show on Hulu called normal people. Uh, it's also very not family friendly, <laughs> uh, but it is it is very well done. The, I was thinking of it this past week because there are some specific scenes that I've I've mentioned my project that I'm working on called Loser. There are some scenes that are just so impactful uh, that just look in, into you know delve into accurately depicting depression on screen. And things like that, and it's just it. I think it's based off of a book. I haven't read the book, but uh, it's it's a good show. I think it's ten episodes or so. Hmm. Uh, it's a limited series. Uh, got some uh, Emmy nominations. Didn't win, but should have. I mean, I I haven't seen all of the things that are Emmy nominated, but I'm gonna say it anyways. It deserved to win. <laughs> uh, but yeah, normal people. It's on Hulu. It's a good show. Well, we do have to wrap it up. But Alex, on behalf of Jacob and I, we really appreciate you being on the show and giving us your insight 
uh, on receiving, taking criticism, and and all the other fun tidbits that you brought with you tonight. Well, thank you. I was happy to join you guys. Anytime you want me on, I'm here. I'm literally doing nothing at home, so definitely (laughs) not procrastinating. Our show, yes, our show cannot be. You're definitely not procrastinating, but but if it is, that's okay. All right. uh, So, so where can the people find you, Alex? Well, um, so as we did bring it up earlier. My website is www, obviously, alexstout.com. That's A-L-E-X-S-T-O-U-D-T. Um, you can see some of my work and some of the stuff we actually did talk about uh, today and see all the great awards that I was... Um, <laughs> I can't even believe that I, that I had the honor of winning. But um, also then on Instagram... I have to look up my handle because I can't remember it. On Instagram, Alex K Stout, A L E X K S T O U D T. And, you know, it was funny because I am not a Twitter person, but after listening to your episodes <laughs> and joking about Twitter handles and all that, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I probably should create one just so I can, like, see what these tweets are that always go viral and I never seem to hear about <laughs> right away or you know don't get the reference so on twitter you can find me not posting anything at short in stout <laughs> which is perfect short That's good the letter n and stout s-t-o-u-d-t <laughs> that nice. is that you know what that is that is the creative lead in you that's, <laughs> that's, a just, that's just good branding twitter, lead, uh, tw- uh, twitter handle that's good. If only I actually posted quality content on Twitter, though. Oh, that comes with age. That comes with age. <laughs> maybe, maybe in the future. Maybe. Yeah, easy enough for me. I'm just on Twitter at Nate Ulrich sixteen, uh, and Jacob. Uh, I am at Jacob Yesvac. Uh, yeah. Once again, thanks for joining us, Alex. Absolutely. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Katza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.